Are you ready? Yep. All right. What's up, Firas? How's it going, man? How's it going, man? It's good to have you here. It's been such a long time. Too long. The last time I saw you, I think it was uh, six years ago. You were with Khaled Telhouni at Media City. I bumped into you guys uh, for lunch. Yep. And like five years before that was the last time I saw you before that one. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for coming, man. Cheers. Uh, it's great cheers. to have you here. Thank you yeah, for having nice. me. And cheers for Baraka and for founding Thank it. you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here, man. It's great to have you here. So I want to start off our session directly with this piece of news that um, one of my friends had shared with me when he found out that I'm having you on this show. And so this is by CNBC. Let me just pull up the news right here. Um, you know, obviously the context here is uh, you started Baraka and we're going to get to talk about that. But this news blew my mind away. Um, and more, even more than my mind has been blown over the last year and year and a half or so. Um, so investors have put more money into stocks in the last five months than the previous 12 years combined. Yeah. So like I actually had uh, Sarwa on like five months ago and we were talking about how crazy the market was then. And here we are five months later and the there was more money going into stocks the last five months compared to 12 years ago. It's pretty incredible. Um, so my first question was like, I know this must have been a main driver for why you, um, you know, started, I guess that's one of the reasons you started Betaka, but I want to hear more from you. What are the reasons that made you decide you want to start Betaka? And is that one of those reasons? So the idea is not, you know, how much liquidity is being pumped into the market. That's not what drives the decision to start a business. The idea is that retail investors want access to markets. And so that's the main driver, right? How do we democratize access to markets? And so what you're seeing is, is a byproduct of this, right? People have more opportunity to invest and they are investing in a very meaningful way. There's also a lot of liquidity in the market. Um, and so the Fed has rates at zero, pumping money into the system. That's got to go somewhere. It's going into the market. Um, so, so I think, you know, that there's two questions there, really. Sure. It's kind of like, it's more about... Uh, there's liquidity in markets. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's not the reason why we started the business. The business is about uh, empowering people to invest, really, uh, giving them access to markets. That's, that's the core. Right, right, yeah. right. And so you were on the venture capital side before you, were, you got into Baraka. So, and before that in wealth management? Yeah. Okay. That, well, family office, venture capital, and then before that in, uh, in asset management. Right, right. So how did you, you know, what was the, the driver that, you know, what was the, turn, the point that you were thinking, all right, it's time for me to start my own company. Baraka is the one I want to start. Um, I had actually presumed that, you know, the hype about the stock market would have been one of the things. But, you know, what was the point for you that, that made you realize, you know, I want to actually open this up for the Middle East millennials? So the funny thing is when you say about the hype about the market, when I, when I kind of started getting this idea, it was just before covid and so the market was hot, but then COVID hit and the market was, you know, fell off of a cliff, right? Nobody remembers that now, but when COVID hit March last year, the market was down 35%. Right. And what happened was really interesting is that the market bounced back quite quickly. And when the data started coming out, it was actually a bunch of retail investors that were piling into the market. It wasn't the hedge funds, it wasn't the institutional funds, it wasn't, it wasn't those guys. And so that was like, okay... There's a shift happening. There's a mentality. There, you know, people are changing the way that they think about investing. And bring that a bit closer. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. So there's this shift happening, and people were were changing the way that they thought about investing. And I thought this is it. You know, there's probably this is a ten year trend. There's an opportunity here to to uh, to build something in the region for the region, uh, for retail investors and. You know, it just, I, I'm incredibly passionate about it. So I, uh, I just went for it, really. And it was a crazy time to do it because it was COVID. Markets were, you know, still wobbling. They were coming back, but still wobbling. But I saw the opportunity. You know, I think that there's a massive opportunity, especially in our region, right? Mm. You know, a huge portion of the population is under the age of 30. Up until very recently, there's, you know, very few investment apps that are catered to, to young people. That's... Right. Yeah, I mean, I talked, I've been dabbling around with trading over the last three years. And I've, one thing that keeps coming up every time I hang out with friends of ours who live in Dubai and who have uh, either full-time jobs or making a lot of money or have their own companies, then they just have their money in a savings account. They'd, nobody, very few people I know are into stocks. And even with what's going on, very few of them actually got in because there is a lot of this... Uh, 
apprehension like they're apprehensive right they, they don't know where to start they don't know how it's to get fear, into start. how to start how to get going you know right right and then i was very happy to hear when you were having your last podcast on dubai works um with richard one thing that i feel like kind of immediately stood out is how you were talking about that you want to start educating customers and making sure that they know what they're getting themselves into yep um which i think is a big uh obstacle for why people are not getting into stocks so so I mean, I'd like to hear about that specifically, and even more so the differences of between Baraka and the other apps that have been coming up over the last year and a half. Um, you know, I had, as I mentioned, Sarwa on, which was mostly doing passive investing and now has moved into trading. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drive Wealth, I'm having the founder on in a couple of weeks, actually, lovely guy called Ramzi. Um, and so, yeah, if you, if you don't mind, can you explain to me a little bit more the differences between all these wealth management apps that are getting into the U.S. stocks and, and how you guys are going about it differently, whether it's about the resources that you're providing or anything else? I think, you know, I'll, I'll talk about our platform, right? Our platform is really about empowerment, it's about learning. You know, we have we, we focus a lot on that. And so the idea is and we, you know, we did a lot of user interviews, you know, speaking with my own network. We, we did focus groups. We really kind of tried to connect with people as much as possible. And, and it was, came up time and time again. Mm-hmm. People were saying, like, I want to learn. I want to know what I'm investing in. And, you know, we were coming at it from up here. You know, this is what you should learn. Actually, they're saying, no, I want to know what is the stock? You know, what is this thing? Like, what, you know, for very basic and so we changed, you know, we changed our model, we changed our thinking, and it really became about learning, how do we engage, how do we get people to engage and think and build their confidence. And for me, coming at this from a, uh, from kind of an institutional background, uh, there's no real secret, right? You just have to invest. And people think there's a secret in the market. The secret is you just got to put your money to work mm. uh, and, and, you know, diversify. There's some lessons that are like that I, I know that I kind of build my own investments and, you know, I've built professionally. But, you know, average Joe thinks that they've got to like, you know, there's this massive secret that they just, they don't get. And it's actually like, you know, just, just do the very basics, you know, buy, buy stocks, buy 20 of them, you know, diversify. Right. Uh, I'll just caveat this by saying this is not investment advice, but <laughs> yeah, you know, buy, buy a, you know, a diverse, diversified portfolio of stocks, whatever it is, just, you know, buy, buy different things. And that's enough. Yeah. Like the market will take over over time and, and, you know, you'll, you'll probably see some returns or whatever. And, and um, that's it. You know, it's like basic things. So we're trying to just get basic things out the door. And, right. and we'll, we'll never, we're, you know, what we didn't want to be was a platform that was basically like, give us your money, we'll invest it for you. We know better than, than you. Like a hedge fund model, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, for us, that's, that's not right. Like, there, um, it's, it's, it makes sense for some people. It doesn't make sense for everyone. And honestly, I got sick and tired of people saying, like, how do I open up a brokerage account and what... Why is it so difficult? And you know why? You know why don't we have these apps? It's like we can do this. Right. Like, this is manageable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're also going to give the option for people to choose their stocks. So yeah. this is where, you know, last time I spoke to Sarva, as I mentioned, they were talking about buying almost like an index, or we don't. You know, they have they have their own guys and their robo advisory that um, puts the money to work, and mostly what is an ETF or an index. Um, but I think people, as you you know, as I understand, uh, just from my own conversations, they want to choose their own stocks. They want to... Or ETFs. Or ETFs as well. Yeah. yeah. Just have the opportunity to choose. From the different uh, ETFs that are out there. Or, or you're, you know, you, know, you want to back a cause that, that is important to you. You know, there's an ETF for it. Yeah. Back that cause. I think there's also like, it's not so much about, as much about choosing as it is about knowing, you know, certain market, certain... Uh, what I'm trying to say here, certain kind of like, uh, tri- not, they're not tricks, but you know, what, what are perceived to be tricks, right? right. Uh, when the market, you know, stumbles, probably that's the time when you should be buying, but you don't buy all at once, right? You average. Dollar cost average. Yeah. yeah. So like, that's a simple lesson for you and I, mm. uh, for a lot of people, they don't know, they don't know that that's what they should be doing. Right. And so like these kinds of things, um, you know, condition, you know, helping people kind of like understand the, the, you know, what happens emotionally when the market is falling off of a cliff. Should you sell everything? Probably not. I mean, depending on your own personal circumstance, you would know best, but that's probably typically not the best time to sell, yeah. right? Um, you should be able to kind of weather the storm, you know, power through it. 
right uh leave some dry powder so that you can average your cost down so there's all these lessons that i think people just don't don't understand yeah um and actually you know we're trying to pass that message you know whether you take it or not that's that's up to you but like uh that's part of our mission. And that's so. why these are all like best practices or, or knowledge when it comes to investing. Yeah. Um, but the, the, I think the confusion a lot of people have about trading versus investing, because there's, there, there's investing, which is obvious, you know, you basically put your money in something for a period of time, you cash out when you think it's the right time and so on. Then you have, uh, you know, trading, which is a little bit like investing, but it's a bit more active about selling and buying. And then right. there's margin trading, which is like the, heavy. the underworld of... of yeah. uh, this is like gambling district, like VIP area, <laughs> as, as I've mentioned in some of the other podcasts. It's the red light district, yeah. It really is, by the way. And, and I mean, I talk from my own personal experience. I've, I've made so much money, like trading and margin trading. I've lost almost just as much, you know. Uh, I could have made so much more money had I just been invested. Yeah. Um, exactly. That's so, the lesson. Right. And, and so uh, on, on, on Baraka, are people going to be, they're not going to be able to get margin. I know that. No margin. Yeah. But they're going to be able to trade so I can open and close positions. Like, you yeah, know. You can trade. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't dictate how people use the platform. Uh, we don't give leverage. Right. Um, and we don't, get, we, we don't do options trading. Okay. So, you know, however people, I, I can't. You know, can you short can't. on Baraka? No. Okay. So no, you can only open long positions. Yeah, just long. Right, long, right. Uh, long only platform, and and what got my interest is that it, it is commission free. That's awesome. Um, it reminds me of obviously Robinhood. That's that's commission free. However, Robinhood uh, and that blew my mind when I first found out about it. Um, they make their money through selling deal flow data, right? So so right. they go to uh, for for those who are listening or watching, um, they make most of their money from giving information to market makers. Right, um, and uh, and that is considered to be a little bit manipulative because you're giving an edge to the big players to take advantage of the retail investors because they're getting an access to what's what deals are, are in the pipeline and that gives them a head start to execute deals accordingly to that makes them money. Right? Uh, is, yeah. this, is my understanding correct of how this works? Yeah, I think broadly. Uh, so they, uh, I think they pass the trade, they pass the order flow information to I don't know different market participants that trade before and after right. a trade in milliseconds, and they're kind of making very very small margins on trades. Right, right. Um, but you know, it requires a massive amount of volume to be able to make anything reasonable, right? But yeah, that's basically my understanding. But you guys are not going to do that. Right. We're not going to do that. So if you're not going to be charging any commission or any, you're not going to sell deal order data, what's your business model? So we have a subscription tier okay. where um, users can sign up for uh, research data analytics. Uh, that's more for like a more seasoned investor. We've tied up with a big research house that's providing that data. And so that's our first product. Uh, subscription subscription right and so that's our first product we'll eventually launch other products those will be paid products uh we have you know like interesting things that we're working on but that's that's kind of initially uh how we'll go about it okay cool cool i mean transparent and straightforward that's that's the beauty of some of those models right you don't have to you know i think most most people who first found out about robin hood's fiasco was when this the gamestop and amc thing happened and most people didn't even know how, was, how Robin Hood was making money until they had to declare it at the Senate hearings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people, I mean, people want something for free and they don't know, why, you know what's happening on the other end, right? But that's a funny story, right? Like, you know, you know why that's happening. Uh, fill me in. Uh, basically due, due to leverage and different market participants that, you know, transact with each other uh, on margin. Right. And so when you're, you know, like, Nobody expected GameStop or some of these other stocks to be trading in the amount of volume that they were trading in. One of your partners calls in, you know, a uh, 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 you know, credit line of yours. You've got to fund it. So you stop, so you stop allowing, you know, trading on, on one of these names. And that creates this whole fiasco. Not, not as much to do with kind of selling trade, trade data or whatever. But, but you see, like, they're all kind of intertwined, right? You know, right. you sell trade data to this guy. This one's giving you money. And that's a function of how the system is built. So, uh, so it's like they, they basically had something similar to what a bank run would be, but it was more on their trading liquidity. So it's like Robinhood opens up uh, for its users the ability to trade all stocks. And some of those stocks got traded much more than they would have expected to. And they couldn't keep up with the demand of liquidity that was required. So, uh, that's my understanding. Yeah. To some degree, right? I mean, there's probably like a... 
a very detailed analysis, we're probably missing some 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 yeah. points there. But yeah, roughly speaking, I think that's about right. Right. Um, and there's different market participants. I don't know which market participants are the ones that kind of called in or whatever. But right. basically, yeah. but it shows you like the system is very intertwined, right? There's m- several market participants that you know kind of play in this space, and you all kind of have to. You, everybody has a kind of role in some sense. Type, do you ever sit and wonder? Because like we are at a point where I was just, in fact, here. Let me pull that up again. Um, what are you pulling up? I'm pulling up the S and P index. Uh, let's see, right here. So this Small is. Screen, a, you can't see it. <laughs> oh, so it's not. Let me see if I can zoom in a bit. There we go. There we go. Uh, five year picture. Yep. Uh, of the S and P, and actually here I have the Nasdaq as well. Five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the story here is that today, so for the Nasdaq, thirteen thousand nine hundred compared to almost six thousand nine hundred when the market corrected in twenty twenty. So almost doubled from the dip that happened last March, and around seventy percent from the highs of 2020, and that's the Nasdaq. Right. S&P index, a bit of a less aggressive growth, but more or less the same direction, right? So 4,100 compared to 2,300 at the bottom. Does, does it concern you that we might be reaching a point, uh, especially now that you're launching Baraka? Like, do you get, do you, you know, people might, might, you know, when they start using Baraka, putting their money in, into stocks, naturally it's supposed to be a long-term vision. Um, but we, you know, there's, now there's even more talk than ever before about the end of the bull market and the, the upcoming bear market and the major correction. What are your thoughts on that? I know it's very speculative. There's nobody even knows where the end of the bull market is or the, where the bear market stops or any of that stuff. But do you feel like, are you bullish on the next two, three years? Uh, on a personal level, I mean, I don't know if you trade or invest still until now. Or? I invest, but I don't have much time to do it these days. So like I, uh, I, and I invest long term. So I buy companies that I think have growth potential for 10 years and I hold them. You know, as, as security, as publicly traded securities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a bunch of different kinds of investments, but I mean, like that's that's basically what I'm doing. Even in you know, alternative assets, I'm buying stuff that I'm holding for ten years, and you know, whatever, I leave it. I don't have the time to trade and stuff. I don't do that. Mm. I don't even you know personally see as much value in you know trading myself. Um, so look, I mean, uh, you can you know we can have this conversation about the top of the market probably every couple of months, right? Every couple of months, oh, it's the top of the market again, you know. At this rate, yeah. Well, it's not even at this rate. That's natural, right? Like that is how markets function. There's right. always, you know, we're all, there's always the top of the market. Yeah. You know, we might look back in six months and say, actually, that wasn't the top of the market. You know, the market's trading at, you know, Nasdaq's at 15, 16. People are a bit short-sighted when they think about these things. My, right. my view on markets is that over a 10, 15, 20-year period, generally speaking, they go up. Right? Yeah. You get, you get longer cycles that they go down. But if you look at the 40, like let's say the 40-year history of the S&P, mm. you know, you're making like 10, 11% a year. Yeah, better than most uh, hedge funds. It's pretty good, Yeah. right? Yeah. And so like if you don't worry so much about, and that's, you know, with a couple of big downturns. We mm. had 2008, we've got a, you know, we had this last one. And so that's okay. You know, if you're just investing for the long term, that's okay. If you're learning some of the lessons like averaging down, Right. Um, and, and some of these things, compounding interest and, you know, dividends. And stuff, that's great. Like, that's what you should be learning. And that's right. the thing that, like, I think society here, you get nervous about this. But actually, I mean, we, we need to encourage these lessons. We need people yeah. to go through these cycles and, and actually, you know, develop an understanding of markets. Once you, con- once you understand how markets function way better off yeah right? things i talk to a lot of people and 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 i was one of them and even until now i, I start to also think along those lines which is i know that the market's going to go up over 10 15 years like so that's even if i buy at the high exactly market entry but most people are looking for a sale right so every, everybody was yeah. looking for like the best price to enter and the thing is it's impossible to time you're only lucky a lot of people manage to get a lot of people manage to get lucky and they catch the bottom of one stock or yeah and then they think they're a hero you know they're gonna go and do that with don't like okay i mean you want to try that I, you want to try that go ahead and try it like I, I i'm not here to opine on how people should invest right sure. it's just that um that's you know that hasn't been proven to work over a right. long period of time. So so dollar cost averaging. I'm a big fan of that concept, and yeah. I did a, an episode of Solo Stream the other day on crypto dollar cost averaging, which I'm a big fan of. So nice. like my entire net worth right now is in crypto. But wow. uh, again, not financial advice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone. But um, and that's how bullish I am. Uh, I mean, not entirely my net worth, but like a, by every standard, a big part of it. Um, yeah. 
And anyway, so dollar cost averaging is a concept that applies to both any type of asset class. Is there, from your experience as a wealth manager and now with Baraka and everything, um, is there like a particular ratio of puts that much X percentage of whatever your budget is into today's market price, leave dry powder on the exchange? Uh, and then the second question to that is, um, uh, and maybe it's just your personal opinion, not the like uh, textbook answer. Um, do you put the do you put like the deal orders in at certain prices so that if it corrects, it automatically executes, or do you leave it there? Huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the first point, I think it it's really dependent on the person's circumstance. Like you might be somebody who's earning an income, who you know, who's who's yeah, come uh, to sorry. the middle. <laughs> you're, good, you're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, you might be somebody who's earning an income and have, you know, X amount of dry powder. You know, that's... I, I know people who, who basically invest every penny they have. I know people that don't invest a single, like a, a dollar. Right, yeah. You have to find whatever that, you know, that midpoint is for you. Mm. Um, you know, we don't, we, don't, we don't do a wealth advisory stuff at Baraka. Like, we're not wealth planners, retirement plan. So that's not part of our kind of our, our thinking. It's really about you. You mm. decide. Right, you know, you know, you know how much money you need on a daily basis or a monthly basis, or you should know. And this is mm -hmm. part of the plan is that you start thinking about this stuff, right? Right. So I think it's very individual uh, based. And earlier you mentioned alternative assets. Yeah. Uh, what are examples of those? Oh man, alternative assets. So private equity, real estate, venture capital, all of these kinds oh, okay. of investments. But then, but then, really, if you want to get into this, yeah, now, this is exciting because the, you know there's a whole other world emerging. Yeah, and it's new asset classes that are that are being created, but also the democratization of every kind of asset class uh -huh. and every kind of actually not even asset classes. You know, like anything. That's what's exciting. You know, that's what we should be thinking about, talking about looking forward to for the next 10 years because really what's happening is there's a real revolution happening and it's all, it's all being driven by technology, right? Right. And it's like, you know, NFTs. I don't know if people are like super excited about NFTs. Like, I think it's really, you know, it's an interesting concept. You're taking digital assets and you are basically creating ownership around them and you're giving them worth, value, which is really like that's an interesting interesting idea right people are you know digitizing their their art and and creating value around it and and that can if you think about where that could lead it's, it could actually be anything you know people could nft this conversation with us or you could nft this and you know go sell it at some point whatever yeah but that's that creates a whole new it's it's not even an asset class it's an overlay it it, it spans many different asset classes if you think about it that way you're right right i mean let's it's for, for those who are hearing about nfts for the first time it stands for non-fungible tokens yep it's a blockchain solution if you want to call it or application that allows um art uh, creators, right? So anybody from who, the, anyone that's making digital art, like a painting, digital painting, but also music, music um, even anything that is content Films related. Films eventually, you know. Exactly. Anything. Or NBA clips, like the other day. Well, I that's think, the th yeah. Top it, shot. Top, yeah. So LeBron James clip, NBA sold that slam dunk uh, poster yeah, yeah. Uh, for, what was it? I can't remember the number, but like millions of dollars at least. Yeah, yeah. Now, the problem with that, though, is that a lot of people come and talk about, well, what's the point of owning the NFTs for the LeBron James video clip of him dunking when I can just get it on YouTube anytime I want? And Excuse me, that's a valid concern, but it's the answer to that seems to be that, well, why do you ever own the Mona Lisa original if you yes. ever own it or um, all those kind of artists? So there is an element. Here's my problem with NFTs. If you want to own a collectible, a rare collectible because of its value, that makes a lot of sense for some, there's a market to it because you can show it off, because you can look at it and savor it over a glass of wine and be like, look at the... Look at this beautiful, you know, you have it, you can see it, you can show it off, you can flash it. My only problem with NFTs is where do you display them? Like, how do you showcase the NFTs? But it's not for show. So, you know, it doesn't for, have to be for show. What is it for then? It's just uh, well, trading? We don't know yet. Oh. <laughs> we don't know yet. But a lot, of, a lot of art is not for show, right? A lot of art is, lives in, you know, people's houses. Like, how many people will see it, right? Right. Fair enough. I mean, their friends so, will come over. I would think that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean. but like, I mean, what, 10 do dozen people, 100 people might see it, but like you buy like a $50 million painting. Right. 
what's the point? You can, you know, you can look it up on YouTube. You can see the same picture. Yeah, and that's why the, the collectibles, high-value art market's always been, you know, reserved to the Christies and the kind of the 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 the, the high net worths. Exactly. Uh, but it's op- being open up to the whole. I mean, if they do this to music, if like today yeah. I can own well, a track, that would re, re it will bring the money back to the creators because exactly. now it's just commoditized. Exactly. But it also it kind of creates this like. Uh, it's it's just changes the industry right disrupts the industry you know you got publishers and you got you know content creators and you've got all sorts of different people layers in between and so on this is actually just like a point right to the creator right and so it enables more people to kind of like live off their craft and make money off their craft and so on without having to go through all these layers so there's like this inefficiency this efficiency in technology that it's that's that's being created mm. you know in in you know, multiple industries. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think uh, really the beauty exciting. is the royalties for all this work goes back to the original creator. Yeah. So they could continue to get to monetize because, I mean, we get to stream movies for free and yeah. we we'll listen to music for free on YouTube and, and that's going to be... I, I mean, I always wondered where the hell... Why would the artists continue to make music and movies for us if they're never going to... If the money is just going to keep going down and it goes to Netflix and all those yeah. guys? Yeah, so. I mean, also it's, it's kind of like it makes it more efficient, right? Mm. Um but yeah, I mean, it's, it, I mean, we're talking about the most, you know, the stuff that we can conceptualize, but, you know, Jack Dorsey sold his tweet. Right, yeah. So what does that mean? Like, is that going to become, like, is that going to become valuable, uh, NFTable kind of like uh, stuff that we can, you know, tweets and I don't know, whatever else. That's, I mean, yeah. that's, that's stuff that I can't really conceptualize now, but it's happening. It's going to happen. Well, the, the other thing that gives NFTs an advantage <clears throat> over uh, physical art is the liquidity of it. Because today, uh, yeah. say, for example, you own the NFT for Jack Dorsey's tweet. Uh, God forbid one day he dies, um, his, the NFT for his first tweet probably goes up 10x exactly. from where it is, right? Exactly. And then you can just put it on an online exchange for crypto and, and trade it just like you trade Bitcoin exactly. and Ethereum. So that's pretty cool. Without having to flash it or show it off, you get to value of it goes up and down. Um, and in a very dystopian universe, I can only imagine the manipulation that could happen. Like, I don't know, you can kidnap Jack Dorsey and kill him only to get your <laughs> NFT up, or I don't know what the fuck can happen. But speaking of manipulation, um, it's nice it's, segue. I don't know what you're going <laughs> to get into now, but that's interesting. Okay. No, because one Speak, of the things I was waiting to bring this up manipulation. Okay, here no, we go. I'll tell you what, because I have, I've <laughs> been in this uh, trading slash investing space of stocks and crypto for, you know, I would say long enough, but it's only three, four, five years now. Like, let's say the first few years of my journey has been very amateur and then the last two three years have been very active so um had ups had downs i've researched it i've looked into it and you know the market is rigged type of statement is one that we constantly hear um in the stock market but also in the crypto market even much more so because it's not regulated pump and dump um is there a way to invest and protect yourself from the manipulation of the big players? And is there a way to, um, you know, are there solutions, theoretical solutions to the kind of manipulation that we see in the in the stock market or in, in other kind of markets um, that allows people to safely invest without feeling like they could be outrun by the big players who have an edge? And Explain why you think the market is manipulated. Well, I mean, in, in simple terms, like just the collusion that happens between the big players mm. to, you know, pump and dump a stock. Like when spe- you see that a lot with crypto nowadays, like BNB, Binance's coin got to $600 and fi- $650 a day, $100 billion in valuation. And that's like a crazy number by every yeah. standard for something yeah. that hasn't. And it just crashed like 20%, more than 20% in, in a minute and then went back up. So this is a sort of thing that people just like makes them apprehensive altogether. And that's just one example of like collusion that happens between big players uh, in order to kind of take over. What happened the other day with AMC and, and, um, and GameStop was something similar, but at a retail level, who the, the retail investors colluded against the big players. Crazy. Yeah, that's, Crazy. that blew my mind, you know, and I loved it. Like, uh, you know, more power <laughs> to them. It's, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 won't, I won't say that the market is manipulated. I'd say that there's probably certain situations where, yeah, I mean, situations arise where there's manipulation, but that happens in everything, mm. right? It happens in some stocks, it happens in crypto, it happens in, you know, any kind of business sometimes, unfortunately. Right. Is there ways around it? Yeah, I mean, probably regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so crypto is not regulated, and so it makes it hard. I think the more interesting thing uh, around this topic is how do you regulate retail investors you know talking about a stock and actually piling in like what becomes market manipulation then mm. 
if you know you know like people are all chatting about something like GameStop right that's a topic for you know regulators and you know uh, other people who, who need to kind of solve those issues but I don't know where that leads like that it's 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 just an interesting right development you know that's also driven by technology right you know there's more means for people to discuss these things it happens that they you know are chatting about them and yeah there's probably a, ne- a mechanism that needs to be uh, uh sorted out to ensure that people are trading fairly fair fair because uh, when you want to educate the customers of baraka you'll give them resources information articles and all types of formats that allows them to feel empowered and they know what the hell they're doing uh, i took a look actually at your website today very useful articles a lot of it had to do with like fundamentals like pe ratios um, exactly. and and market uh, analysis and all that um, i haven't seen anything and i think i understand why on technical analysis because that's very trading heavy and, and that's not why you guys are doing it but that exactly. that's uh, I, that was clear but up until now these have been the two main drivers for that people look at uh, when they want to buy or sell a stock whether they're trading it actively or investing in it they would look at the fundamental analysis um, you know the, the the cash flow statements the market the competition uh, all Correct. these things and then they go look at what my very good friend Yazan uh, says is astrology for traders which is technical technical analysis exactly. right by the time you're done drawing all these support and resistance <laughs> lines and Fibonacci retracements with and all that jazz it looks like a five-year-old scribbling on, on, exactly. a, on a paper Um, but then the third and most important part, which has been playing a role all up until now, but as of recently, I think it's probably the biggest factor is the social media hype. Yeah. Like I was telling my friend Fadi, who's, in, who's a trader, uh, who I want to have on the show, um, about how if you do nothing except follow social media sentiment nowadays, um, have people tracking subreddits, Twitter, you know, different tickers on like stockwits and all this jazz, you yeah. probably have an edge on the market because the moment you see something hyped up, you know, you'd probably make a quick buck trading it just because of the fact that it's being hyped up. On the flip side is true though, right? Yeah. As, as soon as the market turns, then you're going to get hammered because right. it's, you know, so people need to understand that there's a flip side of that as well. Yeah. So that's not good trading. So, you yeah, know, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not the point. That's, the point is use social media to, understand what stocks are trending and you know have good fundamental analysis and all, all of the things that come with that don't don't do it don't look at social media to find you know the <laughs> the stock that's like you know trending so that you can push some money in and try to make a quick buck that yeah you know, it's like, gambling like with you an said edge. earlier right yeah. like you said earlier like for as many times as you do that you'll make money initially and then you know eventually you'll you'll feel the pain right you know, that's that's the That's the typical case, you know, that happens with everyone. So, so yeah, I mean, so, like the thing is with social media, it's kind of like people use it for news, you know? Okay, yeah, we have, we're, we're using social media in a negative connotation now. We're talking about social media saying basically it's hyping up stocks and so on. But for a lot of people, it's just their news feed. And so... you know, it just proliferates faster than traditional media because it's social in nature and it's, you know, driven by, you know, obviously um, uh, um, uh, platforms that allow for sharing and so on. So just be careful about the information that you're seeing is, is the point. Right, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, at best, it gives you an edge as a gambler, literally, yeah. um, to sometimes do like momentum trading, which is, you know... Uh, If uh, like it happens a lot with crypto because with crypto there are no fundamentals so the only thing you have is uh, a couple of YouTubers who are pumping up some uh, coins yeah they trade them and then you get an edge but it's it's never safe and 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 you know I guess that's why logic is if you're gonna go about putting your money into stocks or crypto whatever it is 95 to 99 percent should be held long invested and if you want to gamble around one to five percent and that's it you lose it you lose it agreed yeah I mean I you know agree. To whatever you want to do, 20%, 80%, whatever. I don't know the number. That's up to the person. But yeah, generally speaking, go long for a long time. You'll be okay. Yeah. Just buy, you know, you want to buy the S&P 500 every month for whatever, however much. you Just do that. You know, that's fine. Yeah. So my next question for you was going to be on the asset classes. Um, so a couple of high level numbers off the top of my head from what I remember correctly. Fiat, which is all the cash that's sitting around in all those deposit accounts and all different currencies, is $80 trillion, dollars, I think, from one figure that I got uh, doing some research uh, the last month. Okay. Out of this $80 trillion, dollars, 26 or 27 is USD. 
of which six has been printed just the last 15 months. And then, so that's $26 trillion in uh, USD, yep. and then 80, out of $80 trillion in fiat citizen bank accounts. Then you have $10 trillion in gold, in market cap. Yep. And uh, crypto is under $2 Two. trillion. And the stock market is 30, 30. Yep. So I have a very big, and this kind of backs up my bullish sentiment on crypto, is that this is the disruptive, and that's not just NFTs, that's like Bitcoin, which has an economical philosophy behind it, not even, yep. um, and everything else in there. So how, are you, what are your thoughts on crypto in general? And are you going to open it up on, on Bataka for, you, for your customers? I know you mentioned you're looking at it, but where do you stand today compared to? I think it's something that we're watching. Um, it's obviously exciting space. Um, there's a lot going on and so we'll continue to watch it and we'll see how you know how it plays out um, but uh, what are your personal thoughts on crypto though? yeah I think it's great I mean I, look I think not all of it is great I think some of it is, is great just like not all great not all stocks are great not all you know NFTs are great but s some of it is great Bitcoin um, Bitcoin um, you know I don't think I know enough about Bitcoin in terms of why people feel that it's a good store of value. I think that there is a school of thought where people think that, and, and I'm fine with it. I, you know, personally have, you know, a little bit invested in Ethereum because okay. I feel like more of the, you know, it has more application value. But I, in general, I think this whole kind of digitization of kind of, uh, of, of assets, crypto is, is really interesting. And, right. and like, not going to go away. Definitely not going to go away. Too big to fail uh, by now. I think, I mean, some, you know, like some, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of shitty coins out there. Right. Uh, like there's a lot of like, you know, fraudulent stuff. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, shouldn't exist that won't exist when this market becomes more and more legitimized. Right. Yeah. And so like, I'm always conscious of like, you know, going out and saying, like, oh, I love crypto because people will go, oh, crypto's great. And then when you go, but no. Like there's some really bad crypto and there's some probably decent crypto. Right. And just like stocks, there's some really bad stocks and there's some good stocks, you know, in, in general. Um, so, yeah, so that's my view on it. I don't know. What do you think? You obviously you're long crypto. I'm, I'm definitely long crypto. I'm are you into, pumping and dumping? Are you no, following no. social? And I'm, I'm following. Uh, so I'm, I'm heavily invested in Cardano, but I got it at a very good okay. price, um, which is a competitor to Ethereum. And... I did have my money in Bitcoin and I took it out not because I don't believe in Bitcoin. I, I think if Bitcoin goes up, everything else is going to go up. Um, you're not going to have a situation where Bitcoin is going, crashing and everything is... I think this is a very unlikely situation that Bitcoin crashes and all other crypto is still going up. Uh, unlikely. Maybe in five years. But Probably. as of now, they're very... Uh, they're they're too, too tangled up. Uh, and, and Bitcoin is leading that, that, that kind of uh, movement. But the reason why I like Cardano and Ethereum and Polkadot and BNB and all those kind of infrastructure currencies... Um, is because they're opening up, uh, you know, so smart contracts as a, as, as a concept applies to different things from yep. Internet of Things to, to DeFi, decentralized finance and all that jazz. But I actually do believe in DeFi. Like I believe that today to get a loan from your, from your bank, <laughs> you're good, <laughs> um, to, to get a loan from your bank or to mortgage some asset you have that, you know, you probably can only mortgage your house in a bank today, maybe your car. I don't know what else can you mortgage in a bank today, but it's going to open up a whole bunch of financial services that for whatever reason, and, and there are quite a few obvious ones, banks can't offer today. Yep. And it's just going to, that's going to be disruptive. Like the banks that exist today, the branches you see on the streets, like, my God, what are you going to do? Like all these branches, yep. the bank. Yeah, so that's all going to go away. I agree with that. Um, and so that's why I'm I mean, I don't think it goes away completely, but I think that, yeah, there's an argument there for it. DeFi, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. And so, especially in like markets where you're not going to have uh, um, any sort of proper banking for the population, like in Africa. Like, and that's why I'm also very bullish on Cardano because its strategy, go-to-market strategy is primarily focused on Africa to begin with and then expanding into other markets. Um, and I like the idea that, that the, the, and I had a, a guest on the show uh, for episode seven. Uh, his name is Matt Tugood. He has a coffee, um, he has a coffee business called the Royal Coffee Company in, in Algoz. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he was talking about, uh, well, he was telling all about, you know, his first, you know, his, his, you know, encounters with the coffee farmers in Africa and in South America and, uh, you know, you start to understand a bit more how useful it could be for uh, these uh, guys and individuals and professionals and, and families um, to, to become banked in ways that they're not banked today. Yeah. 
But even more important, like one of the other examples he gave me, he gave me the other day is about uh, child labor and how like uh, there are blockchain solutions right now that allow you as a customer to track if the product you're having is uh, being produced uh, by exploiting child right. children. So right, so right, right. the world is is, is cool. just in that sense it's pretty cool. Like uh, it's an exciting time to be alive. I, I think I mean. And that goes back to the conversation we're having around investing and all these different ways that you can invest. And like technology is just changing everything, right? And it's making things more trackable. But ultimately what it's doing is giving you a little bit more power and it's giving you the ability to kind of back things that you want to back and what you don't want to back and so on. Right. And so that's what's most exciting, I think. 100%. So back to Baraka for a second. When do you guys launch? Um, I know there's... Soon. Okay. okay. Um, is, is there, um, so there's a waiting, like, how does it work? So you sign up right now and you get an, is there like an advantage to signing up now compared to, you want to tell us yep. more about that? So we've got a wait list up. Uh, you can sign up and we're going to let the people that are on the wait list uh, through the door first and then make the app uh, available for everyone else thereafter. Very cool. Very cool. Yep. Um, I understand you got you managed to get a really killer team. Uh, one guy was from PwC, right? Yep. So, so tell us a bit more about the team at Baraka. How you you know as an entrepreneur, I I also you know had my experience starting a company. Hiring is not easy. I now have a recruitment company, so I can really tell you it's not easy. Not easy. Um, and and last time I remember I heard your podcast, you were mentioning that your main role as every you know effective entrepreneur should do is to build the team. Right. That's your main role, and then empowering them to do their their jobs. And yep. so, you want to tell me more about like your day to day on that front? Yeah. So I spend like thirty to fifty percent of my time, you know, managing the team, hiring <laughs> more than I ever thought. But uh, but look, we've got a great team, and I think we why, why we have a great team is that we didn't pick people from banking. We have no wealth advisors. You know, we have no wealth advisors. You know, very few people that you know, actually nobody that's worked in a bank. And that's by design. The idea is that finance should be more of your lifestyle, not just something that you think about, you know, as like a, uh, that comes from a bank or some kind of financial institution. We want to make it more lifestyle driven. Right. And so we got a bunch of people who've, you know, who invest or have an idea about investing, but have not worked in the field. Because I think when you work in the field, you have a, uh, a different perception of, of how, uh, of how it's perceived uh, versus, you know, how average Joe looks at investing. And so we've got, uh, you know, uh, you know, okay, so probably we've got a guy who's, you know, worked at PwC, you know, M&A background. So we'll put him on the side, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's more of a traditional background, but we've got a guy who, uh, who designs for us, who's a great graphic designer, who was nervous about taking the job because he, you know, doesn't know anything about finance. Today, right. he f- <laughs> he's going to kill me for saying this. I hope he's listening, but... <laughs> You know, he f- now follows Bloomberg. He follows all these different channels and he's like reading articles and sending it to the group. Right. And I was saying like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Like you follow Bloomberg? <laughs> you know, you're like, now, now he's into it. Nice. And so he's like getting inspiration for, for kind of like his own designs and everything. And so that's what it's all about because right. that's how, you know, the way that he sees it is the way that 80% of the people see it. 100%. And so that's, that's what we try to get, get across, right? right? What we don't want is a bunch of, wealth advisor types going around, you know, like more of the same. Yeah. More of the same. It's right. exactly more of the same. Right. And so we will we'll do opposite of, 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 you know, what the, the traditional thinking is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you go about hiring, I, I start to realize more the importance of these soft skills that uh, allow you to adapt to a new environment. Yeah. Um, the entrepreneurial skills, totally. you don't have to be an entrepreneur and start a company to have entrepreneurial skills and to adapt to a new environment and, and bring whatever experience you have from somewhere else into this totally new and unexplored uh, space. Um, and, and, you know, we, when we do recruitment uh, in, in my company for not just for big corporates so startups and everything, yeah. turns out some of the best people, like as far as like the ones that stick around the longest in their job, they like their jobs, employers love them are the ones that were not classically designed for this role. Exactly. So it's, it's uh, I, I totally understand that. Um, how big is the team right now? We're about 12, 13 people. Change okay. every day. Okay. Yeah. So it goes up every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're hiring a bunch of people now, but so like it'll right. it'll change, yeah. And, and funding rounds, how many? So you raised the pre-seed round? Uh, we raised the pre-seed round. Okay. Uh, did we stop there? Or? <laughs> <laughs> we raised the pre-seed round and there's... What's, what can you disclose? Uh, what we raised already and what's public. Which is? Uh, we raised the pre-seed round 1.1 million. Very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. 
And and two kids as well. You mentioned I got two kids. Yeah, two kids in a startup. What I mean, leave something along the way. I mean, everything happened once. So did the startup and the two kids happen all like within the vicinity of two years, or what was the the kid happened during COVID? Okay, uh, and so that's part of the story. <laughs> okay, uh, a COVID story. A COVID story, <laughs> and um, yeah, so he's actually uh, ten weeks old now, and I have a two and a half year old, and so my you know my wife's been a champ. She's nice. been uh, she's been a trooper. Um, yeah, so I've got a lot on my plate. Nice. Bro, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Bro, I, I have to say thank you so much for coming. Um, I think it's been about an hour and 15 minutes. So we're done? Uh, time goes by real quick, by the way. Uh, so it's, I, I've, I've realized I've been giving, getting feedback that a podcast longer than an hour is too long. Okay. Um, I didn't ask you about the podcast. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, we don't have to wrap it up. So I what's mean. the deal? Why do you do this podcast? By the way, people who, who aren't here, <laughs> there's a proper setup here. Like, I don't know what you see, but like, there's a lot of stuff happening here. And you know, you walk in, you're like, wow, this is a production room. Yeah. We're going to start shooting our own podcast in here, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. By all means, honestly, feel free anytime. If you ever want to shoot a, a like, genuinely mean it that if you ever want to come and do a, like a content episode for um, for, for Baraka I only charge 20% of your uh, total <laughs> we don't make money so. <laughs> we're a venture business I'll take stocks it's fine uh, no, I'm just kidding anytime honestly please feel free to use it so this podcast it's been a hobby that I realized I need otherwise I'll kill myself out of boredom in fact mm. One of the reasons why I traded like a degenerate is because I got too bored. And, yeah. and I think this is what happens to a lot of people. They're looking for this uh, cheap thrill and excitement in their life that, you know, thank God I have a very successful company that makes a lot of money and, you know, not, not to brag or anything. Like it's, it's doing very well, but that even when that happens, sometimes you can get bored. We don't have hobbies. Yeah, like, exactly. I, I don't know. Do you have any hobbies that you can say you have hobbies? I don't know if I had any hobbies. Like this was a, maybe this would be a hobby type thing. And I started this podcast and up until now, so far, so good. Um, Primarily, I do it to have a chat with a friend or somebody that I haven't met who um, I just typically enjoy having this kind of like eye-to-eye, headphones on, put yeah. a drink. It's cool. Um, but that's, that's primarily it. And I don't know where it's going to go. Um, it just keeps me busy. Like once every week or two, I have a guest on. And um, when you're thinking about bringing guests on, what, what goes through your mind? The story that I think... So I, I, I think there are three... Usually there are three things that I, that I think I need to uh, check the boxes for, for three different... Uh, groups of people. So I need to be able to be curious enough about this topic or this person, mostly the topic, I guess, but even that person's story. So sometimes that right. person may not be an expert on a topic or anything, but they themselves have a story or they're just really cool to have a conversation with. So that's what I get out of it. Right. Um, uh, then most importantly, of course, it's the people listening. What knowledge can we give them? What inspiration can we give them? And right. uh, what, what, what entertainment can we give them? Some people are just funny or they have like fun stories. And of course, the guests themselves, what, how can we help that guest who is either an up-and-coming entrepreneur or an artist? You know, I had a, a very good friend of mine over in the last episode just a few days ago, um, and he's now uh, embarking on his entrepreneurial journey to be uh, a coach slash healer, and he's been studying for the last three, four years and took all these courses. So this right. was for him like a starting step to kind of embark on his journey to start coaching and healing people and kind of put his word out there. And, and so far, so good. You know, he's, since we had that last episode... He's had a ton of like great feedback, and people are approaching him for for coaching classes and stuff like that. So, these are this is how I look at it. Um, and uh, as I mentioned to you at the beginning, when you came here, I was inspired by Joe Rogan, obviously. So I was listening to like two episodes every week or so, three hours each of Joe Rogan, and he was very inspiring. And so this is as close as it gets to a Joe Rogan experience, <laughs> uh, minus the joints, which unfortunately we <laughs> yeah. cannot do here. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the whole idea, basically. That's cool. Yeah. it's great. And I do have my company, which takes up most of my time. Uh, so that's, uh, I, I, get, I, do, I do the boring money-making stuff. Uh, I say boring, you know, because it's not exactly boring, but this is much more fun, relatively speaking. Um, but it's good that you have an outlet like it's good that you found something that you like doing that keeps you kind of engaged and, and occupied in some sense, right? Like everybody does their nine to five, but then what do you do after? That's yeah. the more exciting stuff. And that's, that's the thing, right? Like I, I've, before I started the podcast and before I started my, the last company was in New York, a tech startup. Yeah. And this is the second company. Um, I, I, I didn't ask you about that, actually. Yeah, I should have asked you. <laughs> I, didn't, I have never been interviewed on my own podcast, so <laughs> let's do it. Um, so I started the tech startup. Last time I saw you with Khalid, and I, was, I started yeah. off the episode saying I saw you guys. 2015 is when I started Callout, which you could still see. like the right. yeah. It was meant to be a tech startup that is an online community for live video debates. So kind of like what 
uh, what is it called? The sound uh, clubhouse. Clubhouse. Thank you. Is uh, but with video and also yeah. more focused on debates. So a little bit of so uh, like a exactly like clubhouse. There's a drop. You could just drop into a room and you just start talking to people. Yeah, so, diff- so. a little bit different in that sense. So we we try different things. But the idea was there's a topic: Trump, sex, religion, whatever it might be debatable. Right. Uh, pro con. Uh, much more like kind of what a s- typical social media debate that typically happens on Reddit or Twitter, but live head to head video. Right. So people are accountable intellectually uh, honest in their arguments and they have to put their face up so you filter out all the twi- all the trolls um, right 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 but it was a great like idea in, in theory and, and but very hard to monetize and you know you gotta take Facebook down or YouTube or take a big chunk of them so um, three years into it we realized that's not gonna make money cool idea lovely dream and passion moved on to start uh, the recruitment and consulting company that I've had on for the last like three years now Um and what I realized is I don't know what, it, what to do with my evening hours. Like after 6 p.m. This? Yeah, there you go. So, so that's, so that's... How many of you these... Can you just pump these out ever on a, on a yeah, daily I mean, basis? Yeah, that's the idea. So like no, what, daily basis. So you think is you need an exciting guest yeah. that is willing to do this, to go right. on a podcast, fun with a fun story or with interesting knowledge to share. Right. And you know what? I mean, the idea was to do it in Arabic. And even... Right. Doing it in English, so opening it up to, to people who speak in English, or you know, because it's hard enough to find exciting people. Never mind the ones that are in Dubai who speak Arabic. Maybe if I was in Jordan or Lebanon, right? Like in Dubai, and you know, there are very few people that would be, um, you know, the kind of podcast guests that you. Again, I'm comparing myself to Joe Rogan here only because he's like that in the bar, but like. There aren't. It's not that easy to find guests on daily basis. So at best, you're gonna find a guest every week, yeah. um, and so we'll do with what with, with that. Cool. Um, but I, I do have a list of people I want to approach and I have uh, contacted, and I think as 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 I keep doing this, word goes out and so on. And I'm kind of figuring things out as I do. I mean, I've never done this before, so this is like my discovered yeah. hobby. Just keep doing it. Yeah. Right. Just keep doing it. Keep, you know, and see where it goes. But that's I the think plan. That's, that's the whole. That's the whole thing about it. And yeah. the, I guess when you start commercializing it you get this pressure on you. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, just keep, keep yeah. running with it. Yeah, that's not the plan. Like, I don't care to make money out of it. I don't want to become an influencer. I don't care to build a follower base. But the problem is, I think I'm going to need to focus on at least one of those things to take it a little bit more seriously. For now, it's a hobby. Let's see where it goes. And, uh, but uh, I enjoy it, man. That's the most important thing. And very few things that I can say is a hobby that I enjoy that is uh, a healthy hobby, let's say, compared to uh, trading, exactly. or p- playing poker, which I also yeah. do. Yeah. Um, for, of course, not while I'm in Dubai, but um, you know, it's nice to have a healthy hobby um, outside of the gym or outside of them. This this could be it. So right. let's see. It's great. Yeah, yeah. So feel free to come anytime. Bring your team. Thank I know. You. You, last, I recently saw you guys had some audio clips on your website. Yes. You call it Akhbarka. Uh, yes. Very cool play on words. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so. By all means, if you ever want to have yourself, your team members come and uh, use the studio for for. Uh, uh, Honestly, I don't know how much your girlfriend would like that. She's she's just, <laughs> she's just she's just putting up with this now. Like yeah. if we start coming in here, I think you can have a situation on your hands. But don't worry, she's fine. She's she's totally cool. <laughs> but uh, really, anytime. And Thanks, appreciate it. Um, so for anybody that wants to sign up to Baraka, it's getbaraka.com. That's right. And you're also all over social media, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, in about a month, you launch, and uh, more or less, yeah. Um, so thanks again for coming, man. And uh, thank you. I great. wish you all the best. Hold on, let me just make sure.